Hello and welcome to the Knowledge Without College podcast. This is your host, Patrick Butler. And today I have an awesome episode to share with you. I just had a conversation with a guy named Mark Bell. Mark is a world and American record holding power lifter. He is the creator of the Slingshot device to help with your lifting. He is the host of the Power Project podcast and an overall health and fitness expert. We talked about a wide range of subjects from how he got into bodybuilding, how he pushed through his injuries, uh, all of his accomplishments, and so much more. I really enjoyed this episode. This conversation was fascinating to me. I took a ton of notes. I have so much information to apply from this, and I'm sure you will too. So please, without further delay, Enjoy this conversation with Mark Bell. Hey, Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a real honor to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I love the work that you do. And uh, a few months ago, I started listening to your podcast and love that uh, even more. I think what you're doing is awesome. And I'm, I have so many questions for you about your background in powerlifting, your entrepreneurial experience, and a lot more. So Let's begin with maybe for the audience who is not as familiar with your work, would you be willing to share a little bit of your bio, a little bit of how you got started and, and what you're up to right now? Uh, let's see. Um, the, yeah, there's kind of a lot to, uh, I guess, throw in there. But I would just say, um, you know, I power lifted for a long time and uh, uh, I pushed that as far as I possibly could got myself as strong as I possibly could. I uh, competed um, at a time where people were wearing squat suits and bench shirts and things like that, which assisted the lifts. Um, and I successfully squatted 1,080 in competition, deadlifted, or I'm sorry, bench pressed uh, 854 pounds and deadlifted 766 pounds. I got myself up to uh, the 242 weight class, the 275 weight class, the 308 weight class, and eventually uh, I was over 330 pounds. And so I was really, really pushing the envelope. I competed as a super heavyweight as well. And um, at a certain point, uh, I started to recognize, all right, well, this isn't the healthiest thing. So occasionally I would drop weight when I got uh, in between competitions and stuff, but I wanted to stay big. I wanted to stay strong, and the drive was still always there. Eventually, I fell with a 1,085 squat uh, in a contest where I was, uh, I felt like I was ready to squat over 1,100 pounds. Um, once I fell, that uh, wiped me out. That uh, jacked me up for several months. I was in a lot of pain. Um, I twisted up my ankle really bad, my knee. Never went to a doctor just because I'm too stubborn, and I just uh, licked my wounds and waited until I was uh, okay enough to start uh, lifting again, but it was very clear. The writing was on the wall that I needed to look into 
having a different approach to what I was doing. And so I decided, uh, you know what, while I'm kind of, uh, and while I can't be as active as I'd like, uh, I may as well not be as fat as I am right now. And I may, may as well uh, put some time and energy into losing weight. Ketogenic diet is something that I've used throughout my entire life pretty much. I started messing around with a low carbohydrate diet in around 1994, 1995. And uh, I used it um, at that time just to lose weight. I was uh, in high school and I was pretty heavy and I just wanted to lose some weight. And uh, I got some information from a lifter and he talked about basically just eating red meat and drinking water and, uh, and putting salt uh, on your food and sometimes in your drinks just to keep uh, uh, hydration. And so that's something I utilized um, throughout my entire life anytime that I wanted to drop weight. And so when I uh, was, uh, after I fell with that weight, uh, I wanted to get my weight down and then it kind of became like a thing. I was really working on it really hard and I dropped more weight, more weight, more weight, more weight until I got down to about uh, 230 pounds. And my weight has been kind of all over the place for a while. Um, but it's never crept back up uh, to that, to, to that status of where I was, you know, 300 plus pounds. So I, from there, I still competed in powerlifting. I did a couple of uh, raw competitions um, and uh, was able to successfully do a 578-pound bench press. And more recently, I did a 500-pound bench press uh, weighing 242. I've kind of been all over the place with the, with the lifting and with the body weight. Um, somewhere along the way, I injured myself many times over um, torn my pec three times, torn both biceps, tore a tricep, tore a hamstring, uh, jacked up my back a bunch of times and just ended up screwing myself up a bunch of different ways. And uh, like I said, I, I started to try to figure out different approaches to things. Why was I getting injured and, and what was going on? In each case, they were sort of just like accidents. They There really wasn't a lot of writing on the wall. I wasn't training like an idiot. I wasn't like forcing myself to do something that I wasn't capable of. It was just, um, it was kind of random and I couldn't really make sense of it. But when I injured my pec um, for the third time or for the second time, rather, I uh, started to try to think of something that would allow me to train through and around injuries. And uh, that idea of, you know, trying to figure that out, that idea turned into, the Slingshot, which is uh, my flagship product that I sell today on markbellslingshot.com. And uh, that's what uh, enables me to have this uh, studio that I'm talking to you from now, the Slingshot World Headquarters, which is in West Sacramento, California, also uh, encompasses Super Training Gym. And uh, we have an 8,000 square foot gym that's completely free, no strings attached. And uh, we have about a 25,000 square foot facility uh, where we have our employees and uh, we ship stuff out of here as well and try to come up with creative ideas and, and new concepts. And we've created a lot of products around the slingshot. Everything that we make um, is designed to uh, make your lifts, make your workouts uh, more fun, make your workouts easier because Let's face it, exercise can be a pain, and sometimes literally it can hurt, right? And so um, 
all the gear that we have is, is supportive gear. It's stuff to allow you to lift more weight. It's stuff that's going to um, help with uh, warmth, help with uh, tendonitis, help with rotator cuff tears, any sort of injuries that uh, you may have uh, occurred over the years. So uh, that's, uh, I guess that would be, I guess that would be that for that. Yep. <laughs> You've done so many amazing things and I have so many questions about these things. So if you don't mind, can we start with your early beginnings in powerlifting? Where, where did you first start? When did you realize that this was something that you wanted to get good at? Um, so I started, you know, I started lifting in, in our garage. My dad bought, my dad bought a, uh, like, um, I don't even know what the hell you'd call it. He bought this thing from Sears called the Marcy Monster, which uh, you could do like lat pull downs on one side and leg extensions and bench press and things like that. We had that in our garage for a while. My oldest brother, Mike, was into that. And I just started kind of like messing around with it. I didn't really know what I was doing, but it's probably like 11. Uh, and then my brother, Chris, had um, he was born just kind of bow-legged and his knees always hurt. So he went to a chiropractor and the chiropractor basically told him the only way that you're ever going to be out of pain is to work out. You got to lift weights. You got to make yourself strong. And uh, this guy taught us how to squat. And this guy taught us the importance of power to think bench press, squat, deadlift, uh, movements like bent over rows and overhead presses and uh, utilizing free weights. And he was just explaining to us that, you know, what I shared today, which is strength is never a weakness. Um, being stronger going into a surgery is better than being weaker. Uh, if you get into a fight, nobody's ever like, oh man, I wish I was a lot weaker. I wish I got my ass kicked a little bit more in that fight. <laughs> so, you know, I recognized at a very young age that being strong uh, was going to be something that, uh, that I gravitated towards and it was going to be something that was just, it just seemed super important. So um, I was never good in school. And so, um, my dad bought some weights for my brother, Chris, um, because of his knee problems and he, and, uh, Chris expressed an interest in powerlifting. He wanted to do what the doctor said. He wanted to squat and see what it would do for him and stuff like that. And so there we were squatting in our basement, benching, deadlifting, things like that. And then, uh, at that age, I'm now 12 or 13 or so. And my friends start coming around and they start wanting to work out and, you know, I would get down on the bench after one of the, after, after they tried to do a lift with maybe just like tens on the side and I would be able to pump out some reps. And, um, over a period of time, the distance between them and myself started to become more and more clear. And, you know, I was lifting with a 25 on each side and a 45 on each side. And eventually my cousin came over one day and my brother, Chris, Oh, my cousin, Steven, he said, you know, he's like smelly. That's my nickname. He said, smelly benches like over 200 pounds. My cousin was like, there's no way he benches over 200 pounds. He's like 12 years old or 13 years old. And my brother was like, yeah, man, I, I don't know. It's just the facts. That's what he does. I don't, you know, he's strong. And uh, so my cousin was like, bullshit. I don't believe you. So he's like, let me see. And so we work out together. And my brother's being very careful with me because he didn't really know how strong I was because uh, I always did like sets of five and, and things like that. 
And so we just kept going up in weight and we went, you know, from 135 to 155 to 175 to 195 to 205. And I just kept going and going and going. It's like this, this scene from that uh, Bruce Willis movie where he just keeps adding on the weight and the, and his son keeps backing up and backing up further away from him as he's add more weight to the bench press. Um, and eventually for that day, I ended up with like 240 pounds or something like that. And my cousin wow. was just, yeah, he was like, he was like, I, that doesn't make any sense. He's like, I, I don't know what that's going to turn into, but, uh, that'll probably turn into something. And, uh, I've been obsessed with it ever since. I never looked back. I've been, you know, I've been lifting, uh, what seems like every day for the last, like, you know, 25 or 30 years, I probably the longest break I've have taken during this entire time has probably been maybe six or eight days somewhere in that range. So, um, I've been lifting hard ever since I, you know, I also tried some bodybuilding as well, competed in a bodybuilding show. Uh, but powerlifting is where my heart's at. Nowadays I kind of mix in bodybuilding, powerlifting, and I do some, uh, running. I, I like to walk a lot as well. So I'd like to be active. I like to move around a bunch. Uh, I've been participating in some uh, yoga as well, um, and uh, going to try try out some jujitsu. I just love to move around. I love to I love the energy that it gives me. I love uh, what it does for your brain. Yeah, it's it's sort of interesting how it's counterintuitive that you need to expend a lot of energy to have that energy. And I think yeah. we're going to come back to that that concept of you know things being sort of counterintuitive a lot in this conversation here, but. I'm curious, where did your, because one of the coolest things about you, one of the things that I love about your social media content is how you're always uh, pushing for consistency. And like you just mentioned, you the longest break you took was six or eight days. That is absolutely amazing. I think it's uh, hard for some people to conceive of that level of consistency. Where did your determination there come from? Was it from your parents? Was it from your brothers? Like where, where did you get that, that determination to be so consistent? so with, with strength, you know, it, it's, uh, it's automatic. Um, you can't have strength without consistency. Uh, it'll never happen. You, you're going to have to obtain some sort of consistency. You're going to have to get into some sort of, uh, routine, even if it's, uh, lifting once a week, if you lifted once a week, but you kind of tra uh, trained a uh, similar body part, you can probably get, you can probably get stronger in that movement. Um, and so I, you know, I, I recognize at a young age that strength is not something that you just cultivate overnight. You know, it doesn't, it takes a lot of time. Um, also, you know, I had a lot of like, learning disabilities as a kid and I was in the classes with the quote unquote slow kids and, um, being slow ended up being like my greatest virtue. It ended up being something, I mean, still to this day, uh, I just take my time. I, I make decisions quickly, um, but I let a lot of things take time, especially when it comes to like a creation or an invention. I think most people would be very eager to like jump on it. And I am eager to jump on. I am excited about it, but I, I you know, there might be, uh, a physical thing let's just say slingshot because I think probably some of the people might understand what that is slingshot is supportive upper body device for bench press push-ups dips basically 
a rubber band sort of type, sort of sort of material knee wrap material that goes up over your arms and allows you to handle more weight. Um, so even with the slingshot, like I created the slingshot forever ago, but it took a little while to actually act on it. And it wasn't because I was afraid. It wasn't because I was scared. It wasn't anything like that. It's just, I didn't, first of all, I didn't really know what to do. And then secondly, um, in addition to not knowing what to do or where to start, um, I was kind of trying to rely on other people to do it for me. And that was a big mistake. I, I poked around and, and asked some companies, you know, what they thought about it and they thought it was dumb. <laughs> and uh, so it just, it took a long time, but the longer that it took, the stronger that it got. The idea just kept getting stronger and stronger. And the idea of, like, hey, dumbass, you need to go make this yourself. Like, make it happen. Um, successful people don't make better decisions than everybody else. They make the decisions that they make correct. They make them right. They, and, they'll, and they'll see it through to the end more so than the next person. And so I didn't really know that. You know, I, I, wasn't, um, I, wasn't, really, I wasn't really seeking, uh, I don't know, uh, I wasn't able to accept um, probably a lot of great uh, books and a lot of great things that were um, available at that time because I was just too young. I just wasn't ready for it. And so um, because of that, I had to kind of just learn it myself. But I, I remember being super frustrated. I, I kept poking around and um, I tried these different companies. They all said it was a bad idea. And so I therefore kind of thought it was a bad idea. But every once in a while, it would push back to the surface. And I'm like, ah, the slingshot. I'm like, I need to make that damn thing. I need to make that thing happen. I need to get that thing done. And um, there was one, there was a case where I think I tried to make it. Uh, or I think I was just trying to find someone to make me a prototype. And I got frustrated because I couldn't figure out, like, who do I go to with this? I, I think maybe at that point, I tried one prototype and it was just shit. It was a super crappy. And um, I was like, okay, it's clear, like, my wife can help me a little bit because she knows some people and, like, she might be able to, like, ask a friend to do something or whatever. And I'm like, my parents can't really help. And my brother, you know, he's, he's way into lifting too, but he doesn't really know what I'm talking about. And I'm like, my friends that are in powerlifting, they don't really know what I'm talking about. And I'm like, just, I got really frustrated. I remember it just hit me like a ton of bricks and I even know where I was. I was on the freeway and, uh, out here in Woodland, California, uh, over near where, uh, the uh, new Costco is. And I was just pissed. And I was like, you know what? The only person that's going to be able to figure this out is you. So just figure it out. Just make it happen. And so, so I did. I started this, up until that yeah. point, it was only an idea. It was only something that you thought like this will work, but you'd never had a working prototype for. I, that part is not clear to me. I, I don't remember if I, I think, I think at that point, I think I tried to make a prototype and I think it just came out super shitty. And uh, I was frustrated because I thought I was just going to make it and I thought that would be the end of it. And I thought I would just be like on my way uh, to success. <laughs> and uh, I tried to make it and it didn't work. Uh, it's not that it didn't work. It actually worked. It's just they, they were, these uh, slingshots were super stretchy um, and they were red, which is, was the intention because I wanted them to stand out. I wanted everybody to be able to see the product. But the problem was the dye that was in the product 
uh, smelled gross and also got your skin red, uh, not red because of irritation, but red because the dye would wear off onto your arm. So yeah, I was, I was frustrated and I, I, I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, why can't anybody help me with this? And it just occurred to me. It just hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, well, no one can help you with it because you have to help yourself. And so uh, I did. I sat down with a pen and paper and I sketched out, you know, the way that this thing should look um, the second time around and uh, what it should be made out of. And then I just, I was, then I, from there, I'm pretty like resourceful if I'm anything uh, I know how to, to uh, utilize people that I know uh, to get things done either for myself or for other people just because I end up with a pretty good network of people. I just know a lot of people. So <clears throat> uh, then I took the concept to um, – I started talking to my wife about it. I'm like, do you know anybody that can sew anything? I'm like, I don't – you know, I have no idea how to do this. And I was like, I don't want to go through another crappy prototype and this and that. And so – She's like, uh, yeah, you know, she's like, I do. And so she had a friend that uh, uh, helped sew swimsuits for the swim team my wife's on. My wife's a master swimmer. And uh, she's like, yeah, she'll be able to help you with that, no problem. And so from there, um, I ended up getting uh, a working prototype. And uh, that ended up working out really well. And uh, th from that point on, I was able to, you know, actually go and like, once I had a physical thing made, then it was pretty easy from that point on. And now it just clicked in my head that, um, the ones that turn your red weren't made yet. Uh, they were made after I made the initial, uh, prototype. But yeah, I remember just being frustrated that like nobody knew what I was talking about to get this thing made. And so therefore no one could help me get it made because I only kind of had a vision. I didn't have a clear vision of what it was that I wanted. And when I was finally kind of uh, pressed is when I, when I was able to actually come up with the concept. My wife and I, um, from a financial standpoint, we weren't doing very well. Uh, she was the breadwinner. She lost her job. We were uh, losing our house and stuff like that. And so I think all that extra pressure um, helped make the idea click that much faster and then uh, – to add even more pressure and stress into the mix. Uh, my oldest brother uh, passed away around that time too. And so that made me just realize, look, you know what? You only get one, get one go around to this. And uh, you know, you, sh you should get your ass moving because this is something that you're called to do. I love what you said there about, you know, how you weren't, you were frustrated with it until you were able to make it clear. And you mentioned, you know, writing it down, drawing out what it should look like, what it should be made out of. And I've found personally that when I make my goals clear or my mission clear, what I'm trying to do, it, it helps tremendously. Is there anything else that you sort of practice something like that? Like, do you try to write down your goals for either, whether it's entrepreneurial, fitness, any of those things, do you practice making those ideas clear to get there? Yeah. You know, I do more stuff like that now. Um, but I didn't used to. And so there's a lot of people talking about journaling nowadays. Um, and I do think that it can really help because if you're listening to this podcast, for example, it'd be really wise to take some notes. That way you don't forget stuff. And in addition to taking notes, you got to go back and read your notes. That's, that's an important step. 
that I think a lot of people are missing. They just keep writing down information or how many people do you know uh, have read so many books? Um, and it's like, are you really digesting all that? Like you, it's, that's great. That's awesome that you like to read and that's really cool. But are you really in a better spot than the next guy? Because you read 17 books in the last month. Um, maybe you should read it. Maybe you should try to uh, determine what the book was about and maybe you should write some stuff down as if you're going to school. Um, and so I, I do recommend that to a lot of people, but I also want to say that you don't have to do that. You can be as unconventional as you want to be, you know, be creative. Um, a lot of, a lot of things just need to be, in my opinion, need to be drawn out of us. We have everything that we need. Um, you don't even have to listen to me necessarily or any, anybody else that you put up on a pedestal, everything that you have, everything that you need is already within. One of the things I've learned recently, and I, I, I study a lot nowadays, but my education didn't really start until I was probably about 30 years old because I never realized the fact that education is something that has to be drawn from within. I used to just think education was like just going to school and it was just stuff that uh, they wanted to teach you that you didn't really care about learning. And so therefore, still to this day, I've never actually read a book. Um, and so that's, I'm not bragging about that. I just don't like books. I just don't consume information the same way as the next guy. And my point is, is that you can be as unconventional as you want. Don't get anxiety or stress over thinking that just because I mentioned, I think it's a good idea that you should write stuff down. Um, I don't think that you necessarily have to because I never really used to mess with that either. Although to come up with a slingshot, I needed to be able to uh, illustrate what it was that I wanted made. And so therefore, um, I basically just drew like a figure eight on a piece of paper because I can't draw worth the crap. Um, and then I just uh, wrote down a little bit of information about like what it should be made out of. Um, but really, I just, I, I'm more of a physical person um, in that sense. So I really just took uh, these bandages, these wraps, and uh, I kind of like knotted them together to show the person kind of what I was looking for. So the combination of, of what I wrote down and the combination of uh, what I physically showed them, I just, I don't want people to get wrapped up in, you know, um, it's, it's great that people are recommending a lot of books to people. I have actually, I've actually uh, wrote a book myself and uh, have a few other books on the way, but it's just to share information. Um, and I think that that's an important thing is like, there's a, a lot of ways of consuming information. We have podcasts, we have, we have uh, audio books, we have, I, I, my uh, search engine is YouTube. Um, I don't even bother with Google anymore because Google, <laughs> Google's just kind of crappy the way that stuff gets uh, spit out to you. It's just like whoever pays for, whoever pays for the most advertising on there is kind of what gets kicked to you. And I realize that YouTube and Google are kind of the same, but uh, at least with YouTube, you get to actually listen to somebody uh, talking and that's, I like consuming my information uh, more that way. I think that's great. I think you make a lot of really great points there as well. And, you know, this is the Knowledge Without College podcast. So, you know, feel free to, uh, you know, critique the, the typical learning methods uh, as much as possible. And I think really the, 
the core principle people need to grasp is really just self-education. It doesn't matter how you're getting that information, just the fact that you have an information diet, the fact that you're seeking out new information, new ways to solve your problems. Yeah, you know, um, it, and it's very simple. Like, so I mentioned that you don't necessarily have to like write things down. You don't necessarily have to uh, read. You don't necessarily have to go to school. You don't even necessarily have to be smart. But what you do have to do is you do have to start to learn. And so for me, um, <clears throat> you know, how are you going to learn if you don't have a book? How are you going to learn uh, if you're not uh, writing, right? So it just gets, to, it can be more limiting, but it still doesn't mean that you're out of the picture because you could still go to seminars. There's still a lot of ways to uh, consume. And I think that sometimes education gets knocked too hard and then also, uh, we start to look at education the wrong way. Well, education uh, doesn't always have to be uh, what we picture in a school setting. You should be trying to educate yourself every day. Now, this is something that I don't think that you could live without. This is something that I think that you need. You need to figure out a way to educate yourself every single day towards your goal. And whatever way that is for you, um, that'll be the best way, whether it's through uh, some uh, videos or whether it's audio or whether it's some combination or whether it's through books, uh, that will be the thing that works well for you. But you will basically have to figure out, if you're trying to be successful, you will have to figure out a way to try to become a material expert in something. So I didn't just haphazardly make the slingshot. Um, I've been thinking about lifting from since the time I was a kid. And uh, at at the point at which I made the slingshot, I was already um, a decade and a half or two decades in to, uh, to working out and working out was something that I thought of all the time. I thought about it nonstop and I wasn't thinking about myself. I wasn't thinking about my own body or my own strength. I was thinking about <clears throat> how does this all work? You know, how, what, it, what is this look like when we, when we train, when we train our body, and we try to get ourselves as strong as possible, uh, how do we go about doing that? And uh, I messed with everything. I messed with every method you can think of. Um, and I messed with uh, performance-enhancing drugs and supplements. And, I mean, you name it, I, I tried, you know, nearly everything that you can think of. And so it, education is still crucial. But um, when you think about education, Maybe you're thinking more about like learning and maybe you're thinking more about knowledge than you are thinking about uh, sitting in a classroom. I also think that experience is crucial. So that's the importance of you're going to have to study something every single day. And the more experience you have, the easier it is to talk about these things. The more experience that you have, the more knowledge that you have, the more value you're going to be able to provide. And if you're trying to monetize anything, which I think that's most people's goal, is they're trying to, and you know, people hate to talk about money, but some financial freedom is, is better than none. <laughs> some financial freedom can be outstanding and people will say, oh, you know, money can't, can't buy happiness and it can't buy this and that. And it's like, that's actually, <laughs> that's actually a line <laughs> of bullshit. It's, it can buy a lot of great things. Um, and happiness is is one of them. Money is not going to necessarily make you any happier than you are at the moment. Uh, however, um, think about how happy money makes a lot of families um, that 
that need charity, that need someone to be charitable, that need the Make-A-Wish Foundation. I mean, not, there's, not, there's not really too many things in the world that exist uh, without uh, some sort of financial exchange. And it, and it can make somebody happy. And then having financial freedom and not being so stressed, there's still a lot of marriages still end uh, on families just being stressed about, about finances. And so it can do a lot for you. It's just a matter of like, you know, uh, one person might have a goal to uh, make millions and one person might have a goal to make thousands. That's really kind of ultimately what we're talking about. But I think that it should be financial freedom for you or or work towards being a little bit more free than you used to be. Um, You don't have to be able to buy any and everything at any second. You don't have to be like Bill Gates or anything. Um, however, it'd be great if you weren't stressed about bills. It'd be great if you, if you were able to, uh, buy your house out or buy a car outright, not have car payments, things like that, um, can really, really change your life. And that's why there's so many guys like me, they'll get on Instagram or YouTube. People will look at us and think, Oh, great. I gotta listen to this asshole. (laughs) Tell me about how successful he is. And it's like, no, I'm not trying to tell you about how successful I am. I'm trying to tell you about how I achieved some success. I recognize that money is not the only measure of success, but if you can get to where I, I have gotten to, you will feel amazing and you will want to share that with other people as well. So that's more the message than anything. That's awesome. And, and one thing that, uh, you know, you, you mentioned how everyone's trying to monetize everything these days and, what I, one of my favorite things about what you do is, is how you made your gym free. And I have to ask you about that decision. Cause that must be one that the moment you say it, everyone must think you're crazy. Makes no sense. Nobody does this for a reason. All that, you know, everyday logic that you hear. Uh, I'm sure you got a lot of that. What, what drove that decision and what happened after you made that decision? Yes. I, I, you know, I've always wanted to have a free gym. I, uh, me and my brother call it being a, being a fugitive. And that is, uh, when you go to a gym, but you don't have a membership and, um, (laughs) my brother and I, we've been fugitives of fugitives of every gym that you can think of. We'd always use like distraction techniques or we'd always pretend that we like knew somebody there or we just like sneak into the gym. And I always like, I was always like, uh, just thinking, even though these gyms now, I mean, especially like a lot of the gyms over the last five, 10 years have, have made the gym so affordable that it's, you know, it's almost laughable. It's like $20 for the whole year or something, which is great. Um, but I was always just like, oh man, it'd be great if just, you know, cause this isn't, it, it never seemed, the lifting never seemed like about money to me, especially the people that I met and people that I ran into, they were always so willing to share information. Um, these big, tough looking guys, uh, you know, wearing, uh, work boots and jeans and deadlifting 700 pounds, like a flannel shirt. These guys couldn't look any more, uh, intimidating, but they were like, you know, if you, if you wanted to work hard, they show you how to lift and they were never like, oh dude, it's, uh, you know, $50 for the hour or whatever. Um, they were just showing you because they thought it was important. They, they felt that getting stronger was an important thing. And if you were there to get stronger, they wanted to help you do it. And so when I started super training gym in about 2006, uh, as soon as I 
could figure out how to start heading in the direction of uh, making the gym free, then, then uh, that was something I became obsessed with. And it took a few years. The gym wasn't always free. The gym started out as 125 bucks a month. Um, mainly so that the gym, so super training was started inside of a gym in, in Woodland, California called body construction zone. And that was, that was a gym, uh, that was owned by somebody else. So super training was inside that gym and I didn't have any overhead and, and I didn't pay for the equipment. And so, uh, it was easy. It was easy back then to make it free. And the uh, only thing it cost me was my time. I was teaching other power lifters how to lift. I was part of a team. I was getting a lot out of it too because I was getting a lot stronger. And, uh, you know, when that, when that folded, uh, that gym, that gym just started going under. Um, I was a personal trainer there. They stopped paying me. And, uh, long story short is, uh, you know, I told them, I was like, Hey, I, you know, I don't want this to get ugly. And just, I, I want to be able to buy some of the equipment that you guys got because you got really good, uh, power of equipment and I'm going to bounce on out of here and we'll go our separate ways. They agreed. And, um, you know, I, I went down that path. And yeah, so for a long time, the, the gym was 125 bucks a month because yeah, I bought all this equipment. And then in addition to that, um, I had overhead, you know, I now had a thousand dollars a month or whatever was due, <laughs> but I've always been a person. I never really cared much about money. And, and having said that, uh, I'll also say that I was very fortunate growing up. My, uh, we were probably like, uh, middle, uh, upper middle class, I would say. My dad did really well with uh, IBM and real estate and taxes and stuff. He was always a very, very hard worker. And so maybe that's a reason why I didn't care about money or think about money is because uh, my family had some of it and uh, we were never in need. Uh, I don't, I never missed a meal. I certainly never, never looked like I missed a meal. And uh, parents uh, kept us very happy. We always had everything that we ever wanted and then some. But even when I started to like work and I started to get out in the world kind of on my own, I never really cared that much about making money. And so, you know, I, I kind of recognized at some point this $125 exchange uh, ha this doesn't represent anything that I care about. I don't, I don't care to get 125 bucks from 10 people, 20 people, even a hundred it makes no difference to me. It's, it's not life altering. It's not changing anything. Uh, it helps with the gym and I don't know, like if I started to make a good amount of it, I guess it, it could, uh, you know, help me get a car or something, but it's not, it's not forever life altering. And I'm like, I'm not about this anyway. So I want to make the gym free. And the reason why I wanted to make the gym free is because I wanted to become rich. I wanted to become wealthy and I'm not really just talking about the financial side of it. I wanted to give without restriction. I wanted just to give to people. I knew, I knew in my heart that if I just gave, that I would get. And so that ultimately, that's what I did. And I did have Power Magazine going at the time. I did have Slingshot was just starting out. And so I had a little bit of money trickling in, uh, but it certainly wasn't enough to uh, make sense of, uh, of making a free gym and just basically training 20 people uh, or 25 people or so without, um, any, uh, any exchange. I remember one of the gym members, he was like, he asked me the question. He was like, why, why did you make the gym free? He's like, that's kind of weird. And I just said, 
you know what, man, it's just to become rich. And he, he was about to laugh. And then he kind of looked at me and he's like, you know what? He's like, if anybody can make it happen, it's going to be you. And uh, he, he kind of knew what I meant though. He knew what I meant by it. It wasn't really about like just making money. Um, it was just about like giving and giving back to power the thing. I'm a huge meathead and I love, I love the sport and, and I always have, and I always will always be uh, part of me. I love that story. The fact that you're able to look past the money and see the deeper value exchange is I think something that a lot of entrepreneurs need to learn and takes them a long time to learn is that it's, it's about more than just collecting that, that fee or that upfront money. It's about the overall value exchange. I love that. People are oftentimes just looking at the next uh, dollar or $10, um, the next $20. Somebody might really get enticed if, if you got $200 in front of them, but you know, what is that 200 bucks? You know, what does it represent? Uh, is it going to, is it going to accumulate or is it a one-time exchange of, you know, you see so many people nowadays, people will say that I, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy to me, the stuff people say on social media, it drives me nuts. I probably shouldn't even uh, let it bother me, anymore, but like, I, I'm on a mission nowadays. I got a machine gun and I'm ready for any of these people that like, that say shit about me. That's not true. They'll say like, you sold out. I'm like, there's so many people and I'm not faulting people. It's just that people see the dollars that are just sitting right in front of them. Go on just about anybody's Instagram and they have sold out <laughs> to other companies, right? There's, there's so many examples of it uh, that it's, you know, it's in the, it's in millions, millions and millions and millions of people are, are selling out to products and companies that they don't really have anything to do with other than the fact that they're receiving money. Uh, if I'm going to advertise anything, it's always just my own stuff. And if I do advertise anything outside of it, I don't ever make any money off of it because I, I recognize that picking up some money at the moment is not the important thing. This is, this is more about a message. This is more about the long haul. This is more about money is always going to be a factor. It's always going to be important. Um, I need to continue to make more money to, to grow this company, to make this company bigger, to expand this company and to expand, not only to add more people to the company, but to add more to the people that already work here. Like they need more opportunity. And so I need to continue to figure out different ways and different opportunities that may open up doors for them to make more money. I don't want someone working here for 30 grand and being stuck there forever. Um, we've had situations like that before and it doesn't work. People, they end up, you, you end up without them anymore. And, and we've tried to provide value. We've come up different, different ways of trying to figure out how they can provide more value and how, and how we can be more valuable for them. But sometimes it just, sometimes you end up at the end, the end of the line, the end of the road. But I think what I'd like people to kind of get from that message is how, how does it, how does it provide value to you for you to make a post about a company? Um, unless it's doing something a little bit more for you than a just money or B um, even if it is a primarily about money, 
is is that money exchange going to continue to trend uh, in a way that you're comfortable with? Like people have to think about these things a little bit, like rather than just saying, hey, you know, you get 15% off of everything that you sell. And we even do some of these things. But what I'm asking people is like, just think about it a little bit more. Don't just go diving into bed with any, any anybody from off the street. Think about it a little bit more. Does this company represent something you believe in? Do they have products that you even like? Because to me, that's selling out. And, and to me, that is problematic because now you're going to be hawking stuff to people. You don't even really believe in it. And uh, definitely an ugly side of social media uh, that can sometimes be fake, right? And sometimes people are like, yeah, what's this? I also think that that's not a great representation of yourself. You should be able to be more. I think that we're here to create. We're here to produce. We're here to make stuff. And uh, that that level of comfort of just receiving a check or just receiving some free product from some random company that you don't have a lot to do with. I think that stifles creativity. I think that stifles the imagination. I couldn't agree more. I think what you're, you know, talking about here is a really important point. And I, I find it really interesting when you look at a lot of the messages uh, that people leave on social media, because you start to notice how conditioned everybody is. Like if you just went on your platform right now, and you just started giving out a bunch of free advice, right? Everyone immediately is, they're like, it's like Pavlov's dog. You know, they hear the bell, they start salivating. They get the free information from you and now they're expecting the sales pitch. And I find it so interesting because you could do your best to try and give people as much free information as possible and they'll still call you a sellout. They'll still assume that there's some sort of hidden agenda there and that you just can't have a free lunch where it's like, Hey, we're just, you know, I'm just trying to give you free information. No, don't, I'm not asking for anything here. And people have a hard time conceptualizing that. Yeah. hundred percent. So Mark, I, I'm curious about, the event you mentioned where you had a thousand eighty five pounds fall on you, and I think uh, your attitude towards injuries uh, that's you know I love your videos where you, where you talk about you know just pushing through injuries and working out even though you're injured and stuff like that because uh, I think a lot of people you know once something like that would ha- if something like that happened to I think like ninety percent of people, they're gonna just quit. They're never gonna rebound. They're just gonna look back at that moment and be like, "That's when it all went away. That's when it all went down the toilet." How? What was your mindset when that happened? And and you know, and and with all your other injuries, that you know, where does your mind go when something like that happens? And and how do you sort of keep your yourself in check? I would first off, you know, say that. Uh, you know, it's always important that you're not just trying to be tough, you know, that you're not going to continue to injure yourself any further. Um, However, I think it's really important that you are tough. And I think it is important that you do stand your ground. And so when I fell with 1,085, my main thing right away was I need to get back up. (laughs) And once I got up and realized like, "Hmm, my legs are under me, they're mangled, they hurt. Uh, I don't think anything's broken. And if anything is broken, it's probably kind of small because it feels like I'm standing on my own two feet. And so I had uh, one of my training partners came up and he was trying to, you know, put my arm kind of over his uh, shoulder around his back so he could kind of support. I could use him as support and walk off. 
And I said, get the fuck away from me. And that's because I was like, you know what? I'm a man and I'm going to walk off on my own two feet. Like, this is my sport. This is what I love to do. I got knocked down, but I'm up and I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to like show how much pain I'm in right now, especially in front of all these people. And so I did, I walked off on my own two feet. Um, it took probably almost an hour for me to get out of my, uh, like squat suit and everything because I just, I couldn't figure out a way to move the right way to be able to get out of it. Cause I just wasn't able to move very well. Um, we were actually thinking of cutting the thing off of my body, but, uh, I eventually, eventually got out of it and I stayed the rest of the meet and I helped the other lifters, which all of this was a very bad idea. I was mangled. I was messed up really bad. Um, but for me, this kind of stuff is like a mindset, you know, what's your character like? Um, you know, what, what, uh, what's your mentality? Are you able to push through things when they're uncomfortable? And so I stayed, I helped everybody at the meet. My ankle got more and more swollen. And, uh, for the next three months I was, uh, I was pretty screwed, but it, it if I would have rushed, rushed out of there faster, it's not like I would have healed any faster. It wasn't going to do anything. I didn't have a bone sticking out. You know, I didn't like faint or pass out or like my head was fine. You know, my heart was fine. So I'm like, I think I'm good. And, uh, strategically from there, I ended up going to a bunch of doctors that weren't real doctors because I didn't want to go to a real doctor because I didn't want to tell me that I was screwed up. I already knew that I was screwed up. I was just like trying to figure out how do I get back to doing what I love to do. And so I went to a acupuncture guy and uh, he said, uh, you know, doctor, the doctor's going to take an MRI and uh, he goes, what's he going to compare it to? I was like, I'm like, I don't know. He goes, have you ever been in the doctor before for your knee or your leg? And I said, nope. And he goes, well, he goes, there's no point in going to one now. And he goes, because they're going to do an MRI and they're going to tell you that your leg's screwed up. <laughs> and he goes, you already know that, right? And I said, yeah, I do. He goes, all right. Well, yeah, there's, he's, he's, he basically his point was there's probably not any more, there's probably not any further damage than what you've already placed on yourself because you've been lifting over a thousand pounds for five, six, seven years. And so you probably were screwed up anyway. And that's probably what led you to fall. And so, you know, he was like, I don't think you really tore anything. And I don't think, you know, that uh, you broke anything. I do think I teared some, tore some stuff up in my ankle pretty good. But uh, what he had to say about that was kind of like, they're not really going to do anything for it. You're going to put like, a little cast on it or something. So he's like, your ankle's not broken, but you probably strained or sprained something in there quite a bit. And so, um, anyway, so I, I would just, I was fishing, I was, uh, going to a doctor, you know, trying to go to specific doctors, uh, that would tell me kind of more what I wanted. And so I was like, all right, well, he says I'm good. So I'm good. And so, you know, I got back into training and started to push. I, I do think the human body is, um, the human body is, is it's a adaptation machine. It's going to adapt to whatever you want to do. And also, uh, it'll adapt. It's so wild on what it will adapt to because you can even just have thoughts in your head that just aren't even true. 
they can be totally false and uh, you can make them so. Um, whether that's wishful thinking in terms of you're going to lift a certain amount of weight. If you tell yourself you're going to lift a certain amount of weight and you keep telling yourself and you keep telling yourself and you keep telling yourself, you'll eventually get there. Now, if you just pick some asinine number, well, of course you can make it not work for you. But within reason, it'll work for you. And it also works the other way. You can, you can tell yourself, nah, I've always been kind of timid. Like I don't recover really well from weights and, uh, you know, I'm going to, you know, uh, my shoulder always hurts. I mean, you, that negative self-talk, uh, that'll be so as well. That'll be true. So I find that side of things to be unique and to be um, pretty crazy because with, with lifting weights, you, you wouldn't really, um, I think we all recognize that physical stuff is, is partially mental stuff as well. But I think that we don't really understand on how mental it can be. Now, from a, a physiological standpoint, you're going to have to uh, ingrain and encode some of these things through repetitions. You're going to have to actually do them. So you can't just like will it to happen uh, without not exercising and things like that. And I think everybody kind of understands that. But the, the power of the mind and attaching the mind and the body and the spirit, attaching everything all together um, is a really, really powerful tool. The central nervous system, you know, is kind of how I got into this uh, conversation a long time ago with a video that's now uh, gone viral where I say, fuck your elbow. And a lot of that, a lot of that came from me talking about ignoring pain and pushing through it. Your, your only option, I, I've been in this game for a long time, so your only option, your hip hurts, right, and you're squatting. Your option is to not squat and is to get soft tissue work done on the hip and is to maybe possibly find some other exercises, but you can't overload the joint anymore. If you want that joint to change, you have to change. Otherwise, it's going to be stuck. It's going to be messed up. It's going to be mangled, and it's not going to get any better. You can get all the work done in the world, but if you continue to do the thing that's inflaming it, if you continue to do the thing uh, that is causing disruption for it to get better, you'll keep breaking up that cycle of whatever work the chiropractor did or any uh, the work that anybody did, you're going to be kind of always screwing that up basically. And so years ago, I was like, you know what, just aim and shoot at the same time. Let's stop thinking about shit so much. Um, uh, for a while with training, I got analysis paralysis where um, I, I know certain things about the body and I know certain things about training and I started to learn more and more. I started to pour all of that into every workout and it was ridiculous. I'm sitting here with a notepad trying to write things down and I'm like, well, I can't train that part of my bicep because I trained that two days ago. And it's like, the hell kind of thought process is this just go just live just just move the weight around you know we don't have to turn everything into this um uh big scientific uh you know research thing so the the human body it can be very very resilient and it can handle just about anything you want to throw at it including when things are really mentally demanding when things are really brutally tough uh physically as well now the now, on the flip side of that, it's like I'm never going to sit here and try to promote that, you know, that I think people shouldn't sleep 
and that I think people shouldn't eat correctly. Like you have to keep in mind when you're watching what I, when you're watching, when you're listening to what I say, you have to then watch everything that I do because it's not fair to sit there and just make an accusation based off of one thing that you heard me say. Go back and watch what I do and pay attention because I don't post that I wake up at three in the morning all the time. I also share with people that I go to bed at like 7 p.m. I say it all the time. Set your alarm to go to bed and stop setting your alarm to wake up. Set an alarm that alarms you. Hey, I should go get some rest. And I am in a constant state of training, adapting, and recovery all the time. I'm either training for something, learning something, uh, or I'm recovering from something. I take naps. I treat myself well. I drink a ton of water. I eat a lot of the lot of foods that I feel are the best for me. Um, I do everything and anything possible, almost like within reason. Uh, I am human, so I have alcohol and I have pizza and I got cheeseburgers and shit like that here and there. But for the most part, all these things are in alignment. I would say, I would say, uh, when I'm not on point, things are 90% in alignment with my goals, and when I am on point, they're 95%. So I try to keep that shit as high as I possibly can for as long as I possibly can. I'm spinning a lot of plates at one time and I'm just trying not to let them fall. Got it. Got it. I'm, I want to ask you about what you just said there with recovery, because I think a lot of people when they think of recovery, they think of just like doing nothing um, as opposed to like active recovery. What kind of, could you tell me a little bit about how you, uh, you know, recovered you sauna, what kind of physical things you do, what kind of foods you eat, uh, What's like an optimized, uh, you know, system that you follow for recovery? So one, so one of the main things about recovery, which is going to kind of fly uh, backwards into uh, what I just said, um, is your training. Like you have to know how to work out. Um, if you don't know how to work out, then all the methods for recovery in the world aren't really going to do a whole lot because you're constantly breaking yourself down. Um, I'm a very simple person. I try to ask myself throughout the day, how does this help? How does this hurt? How does this add to what I'm doing? How does this add to my life? How does this add to the life of other people that are around me? So for, to, for example, for today, so I did some, I did some squats. Um, I started out the day with some leg extensions to kind of pre-exhaust the legs a little bit. I like utilizing that method because it forces me to use a little bit less weight, which is something that I like nowadays. I still like to handle some weight, but I don't want to handle so much weight that I, you know, blow my back out or something like that. So I utilize a lot of methods and training that I know will serve me really well and that I know that I'll recover well from. Um, I also did some higher rep stuff, but I didn't go crazy because I'm like, okay, what does the rest of the workout look like? And what does the rest of the week look like? Um, you know, you can, there's a lot of different ways you can, you can exercise. I personally like to exercise almost every day. So I'm not going to go into deep water every workout because that doesn't make sense. If I was going to work out two days on, one day off, three days on, one day off, 
And I was going to really pay attention to rest. And like you said, almost like doing nothing or even having active recovery sessions, uh, then maybe I would go in a deep water every day. Maybe I would, um, you know, go out to an island and burn my boat, as they say, you know, burn, burn your boats. Uh, you have no intentions of, of how you're, the hell you're going to get back. And um, you have to think about that when you're training. It doesn't mean you have to be timid. You should always kind of go in with an intent. What's the goal? What are you trying to do? Um, I think a lot of people in fitness are trying to do too many things at one time. Um, I don't like to tell people that things are impossible because I've seen people do all kinds of things. And people are, people are very capable of doing all kinds of different things. But you're chasing after two separate things when you try to get leaner and you try to get stronger at the same time. So you have to kind of make a decision. What are my work? What do I want to do? Number one, what do I want to do? And then align that with the type of workouts to do. It's not any different with a goal setting. You have a particular goal. Um, I want to, um, you know, I, I want to, uh, you know, learn these uh, courses uh, over the next uh, three months, and I want to know them like the back of my hand. I want to learn all the ins and outs of, let's say, Amazon, right? And you're going to take all these courses, and you're going to call people, and you're going to maybe go to a seminar or something. Well, then you got to try to make sure that everything that you, not everything that you do, but most of the things that you do really align with that goal. Um, if you're trying to get, uh, better grades in school, uh, what, what is that going to look like? And what grade do you want? You know, I had a conversation with my son. I've mentioned this a few times now. Um, you know, he, he's having a really hard time just doing his homework. He just didn't want to do it. I said, okay, let's just, uh, stop for a second and let's, uh, let's just say I'm your teacher. Okay. And I get to pick. I can pick whatever grade that you select and that's your grade for the semester. So what grade do you want? He's like an A. It's like, okay, of course that makes sense. I said, okay, but well, what if, what if still for me to give you an A, you couldn't hang out with your friends and you couldn't play any video games. I was like, uh, okay, so now let's just, let's just, and he was like, no, 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 I, I don't want an A at that cost. And I said, well, of course you don't. Right. I said, okay, well, how about, what if you can get a B and you could still hang out with your friends on the weekend and you play the video games a couple times a week? And he was like, yeah, he's like a B makes sense. And so you need to kind of like unpack, like what, what are the things that you want to do? And you need to kind of align it with how hard are you willing, like what are you willing to sacrifice? If you want to be 5% body fat and you're currently 25% body fat, that's a lot of sacrifice. And, and in the wake of that, you might lose everything because you might, in that process, you might become a different person. You might even lose your significant other because you're going to be so different by the time from a mental standpoint, from a physical standpoint, everything is going to be jacked up from that point. So you have to really think about what it is that you want. What's the risk to reward ratio of what you're about to do? Recovery we talk about it a lot with weights, but you're trying to always recover from everything. Like if you're not, if you're not doing something, um, then you're pretty much working on, you're working on recovering from that thing. 
you have to kind of like recover from everything. And if you kind of think about that for nearly everything that you do, then it will be easier to stay on top of your recovery. For example, um, I see a lot of people get behind. The people are fighting every single day from behind. Um, how about you start fighting some days from being ahead and, and recovery will be easy. It will, everything will feel so much better when everything's done, uh, not even at the right time, when everything's done ahead of time. You want to figure out a way to get ahead. You can literally be ahead. You can literally be ahead of everybody else if you do the small things. You can't uh, brush your teeth at night for the next morning. However, you can lay your clothes out. Uh, you, there's things that you can do to prep yourself for each day. Um, people have such a hard time with nutrition. Nutrition is actually very, very simple. It's simple, but it's hard, right? But how do you make it easier? You make it easier by making it more convenient. How do you make it more convenient? Make it more convenient by being ahead. And some ways, very simple ways you can uh, be ahead and make things convenient is to prepare. Prepare your foods. Be prepared. And so if you're, if you're prepared for most of the things that you're going to do, then you're most likely going to be recovered because you'll have enough time for everything. People are kind of in a rush all the time for everything. And people are flying through their food. <laughs> They're flying through their work. And they get home from work. By the time they get home from work at 5 p.m., they are just shot. They never have an opportunity to even recover from the day. So they're home, but now they're on their phone and 5 o'clock quickly becomes 7 o'clock. Maybe they watched a TV show. But they're not really even able to really be there for their wife or really be there for their kids because they're, they're tired from the day. But if you figure out ways of getting ahead, these little cheat codes of life, you figure out a way to start to have some discipline. You wake up at a similar hour every day. You go to bed at a similar hour every day. I think it all starts, personally, I think it all starts with waking up, never mind early, just wake up earlier than you're used to. By waking up earlier than you're used to, it'll set forth a cascade of other things that will allow you to be ahead. So you normally wake up at 7 Start waking up at six, but make your sleep still a priority. You still need eight hours sleep. What is this going to do? This means you got to get to bed earlier. And this means that you have to plan and prep because you're like, oh shit, my day ends at like 8 p.m. All right. Well, all right. Well, I don't want to be rushed in the morning. So I'm going to take a shower right now. I'm going to lay out my clothes right now. There's so many things that you can do. Um, there's, there's really just a wide array of things you can do. Uh, to where you're kind of set up to where you're always ahead. When it comes to your training, recovery is, is always as simple as being prepared for your workout. And that can mean um, you warm up properly. If you don't warm up properly, recovery from the workout is going to suck. If you warm up properly, you'll feel a lot better when the workout is done. That's what the warm-up is for. The warm-up is, is an illusion. It's not actually to, like, make your lifts better for the day, although that can be the result. It's, it's so you're not as screwed up when the workout is over. Uh, even something like a cool-down. What's a cool-down? Or, or, or what are back-off sets for? Cool-down and back-off sets are to prepare you for the recovery process. 
And then what about your nutrition? Your nutrition is hugely important for your recovery. Now you can go into ice baths and you can do a sauna and you can do, I only use stuff like that when I'm banged up. If something went wrong or something just doesn't feel right, then there I am in my hot tub. You know, I use my hot tub probably two or three times a week. I got after it a little bit more than I should have. I screwed up somewhere. I pushed it a little too hard. And so there I am sitting in my hot tub. Every once in a while, I get courageous enough to go from my hot tub to my pool. But for the most part, I usually <laughs> just use the hot tub. What's an ideal warm-up process look like for you in your training? You really want to make sure that the body is warm. We've seen this in, in, uh, in fighting and in boxing. I remember specifically in boxing, if a boxer came out and he was dry, I remember the announcers like, this guy's toast. This guy's going to get crushed. And it didn't always mean the guy was going to lose because he might have been more skillful. But sure enough, you know, it took five rounds for the guy to wake up because he wasn't warm. He wasn't ready. Normally, normally the boxers are usually very, like, sweaty by the time they, you know, they come out and they look like they already fought pretty much. They're drenched in sweat. You want to try to get your body warm. And there's just there's so many different ways you can go about doing that. Here at Super Training, we, we, um, we make a product called the Hip Circle. And so that is a very, very easy way. It's something you can travel with. You can keep it in your, in your gym bag or your backpack. Um, it's just something that you slide up over uh, each, each leg, put it around your knees. And it's like a, almost like a band type thing. Like a, it's a resistance uh, that you get. You can walk forward with it, backwards with it, side to side. But it's a great way to get your hips and butt and glutes kind of warmed up. Um, there's also a lot of other just, you can, you can do anything for warm-up. Um, one thing I've learned over the years that, that's really, really effective, especially for people with uh, lower back tightness or lower back pain or hip pain or even just any pain in the lower body, the fastest and best way to start your warm-up and the fastest and best way to get your heart rate up is through your upper body because it's the easiest. That's, that's what makes it the most effective because if you're, if you're rolling out of bed and you're, and you're just getting to the gym, you know, at five o'clock in the morning or something, well, sometimes shit, your back might be really, really tight. And so to just out of nowhere, start doing even a body weight squat might be asking your body to do a lot, especially for some people that are getting older. The easiest thing to do is the second that you get into the gym, you start either A, like just walking on a treadmill. That's very, very simple. Or you grab some dumbbells and start doing some uh, lateral raises, maybe some front raises, uh, maybe some curls, maybe some bent over rows. Just start moving around. And if the dumbbells even feel too sketchy, you can even start out on a machine. Um, but it's actually really remarkable how doing things like Let's say, let's say you have a lower body workout schedule for the day. You got some deadlifts to do. Well, do like five or six sets of work for your back, for your lats, uh, seated row. Um, do three sets of 10 on a seated row and then follow it up with uh, three sets of 10 of lat pull downs. Your body's going to be warm. Only do like a minute rest in between the sets. You're not trying to, you know, really destroy yourself with the weights or anything. Um, but you are getting a lot of blood, a lot of blood moving. And then when you go over your deadlifts, you're going to actually notice that you move better 
even though you didn't even take any time yet to even warm up the lower body. Another crucial thing to warming up is, um, is to just really take your time. Um, I see so many people, they start out with a 45 on each side. Um, here at Super Training, we always start with the bar. And uh, we've had men and women lift extraordinary numbers, numbers that would just blow your mind that don't even make any sense. But what does everybody always start with? Everyone always lifts the bar first. The next progression from there is even if you're a 500-pound bencher uh, or 500-pound squatter, the next weight you're going to use, almost every person in here does it. Not everybody does it, but usually it's just 95 pounds. There's a 25 on each side, and you wouldn't expect that from these uh, big barbarians that come in here, but uh, we take our time. And adding more weight Adding more weight to something, unless it's a really experienced lifter, it's not going to get any better. It's not going to feel better. So if you, if you have the intentions, you're like, okay, I'm supposed to do, I'm supposed to squat two, uh, 275 for the day for a couple sets of three. Well, if you go to, if you go to squat 225 and it feels horrible, take your time. What, what's going to happen if you squat 225 for a few sets? Before you squat 275, you're not going to get thrown in jail. You're not going to go to hell. They're not going to kick you out of the gym. Um, it's totally acceptable to do that. It's totally acceptable to take your time. Uh, last note on uh, warm-up is you do not need a lot of reps. And the reason why you don't need a lot of reps is because, in my opinion, you should be getting your body temperature up and your heart rate up and your, your body should be warm before you ever get to the actual movement itself, once you are doing the movement, all you need to get used to is the weight and the movement itself. So those are all things to keep in mind. You can even try, like I call it working out backwards. Um, Matt Wenning uses this principle a lot as well, where um, he does a lot of sets of uh, like incline dumbbell bench press before he actually bench presses. He might do three sets of 20, with like a moderate weight. Now that will pull away some strength for when you actually get down on the bench press, but your shoulders aren't going to hurt. Your elbows aren't going to hurt. It can make, it can have a huge, huge difference. The other thing is with working out backwards, what you could also do is you can just train opposite muscle groups. So if you're going to train chest for the day, you can do a lot of sets for biceps or back. Those would be opposing muscles uh, to what you're actually working. If you're training back for the day, you can warm up with a lot of shoulder and, uh, and chest work and really, really get your upper body super warm and you'll be able to move a little bit better than normal and you'll be very strong for the day too because you work the opposite muscles. Love that. I, I was just feverishly taking notes there. I'm really looking forward to uh, trying some of that stuff out. So thank you for sharing all that info. Um, yeah, and if you want to check it out too, it's on our it's on our. Um, it's on our YouTube channel, which is, I think it's just Mark Bell's shot uh, on YouTube. And it, it, one of the videos is from Matt Wenning, W-E-N-N-I-N-G, Matt Wenning. So yeah, a lot of great info on there. I'll check that out. Thank you as well. Um, one last area that I wanted to cover while I got here, again, really appreciate your time. This has been so awesome. Is I want to talk about your podcast. What, what inspired you to make a podcast? I got pretty fired up years ago about a podcast when uh, one of our lifters came to me and uh, 
he was talking about how the message from a podcast is a lot different. And I didn't know what he was talking about really because I didn't listen to podcasts at that time and I knew what they were. Um, and I've heard, you know, some of Joe Rogan's and I heard some of Adam Carolla and I used to be a huge uh, Howard Stern fan. So I got the idea of like, you know, I, I kind of understood what was going on with it. And I remember like, you know, back in the day when I did listen to Howard Stern, um, how I was so into what he was saying, regardless of how entertaining it was, I felt like I was like in the room with him. And so that's, you know, one of our lifters mentioned that to me. And right away I fell in love with it because I was like, this is a great idea because a lot of times we make these YouTube videos of some of the lifts we do in the gym and stuff. people kind of get an idea of who we are. We try to show that we're joking. We try to show that we're also when it's time to be serious. We try to show the different variations of all that stuff that goes on. But I would love to have a platform where I can just, uh, talk longer, you know, and be able to communicate with people and be able to, you know, like if I, if I'm to say, if, if I was to say something like, uh, I think Donald Trump is a great president, right? It's like, boom, uh, that can get really inflammatory really fast. But if you get to know me and you understand, uh, some of the context at which I might say something like that, uh, then you're like, oh, okay, well, you know, I'm not a Donald Trump fan, but uh, I understand why he said that. That makes sense. So it, it, it gives a lot of context to stuff. I'm able to really um, communicate with our, with our audience. And uh, the response has been great. You know, the response has been really, really awesome. It's something I'm really proud of. Um, I do the uh, podcast with Andrew Zaragoza, who you were talking to uh, earlier. And this podcast, um, I mean, it's changing my life as well. But when we started this podcast, um, I was already, I was already kind of on my way in terms of like career, but this, this podcast that we've been doing, it's amazing to see the impact that it's had on our fans. And it's amazing to see the impact that it has on some of our colleagues. And it's amazing to see the impact that it's directly had on Andrew. It's been awesome because Andrew and I, uh, we don't work out as much as we used to, but we, for a while we were workout partners. He helped me train for a bodybuilding show. And to watch his progression uh, has been awesome. Uh, it not even uh, the, the physical progression has been awesome, but the mental progression and the amount of work he's able to handle at this point and rubbing elbows with some of these high level people has been amazing. And we just, uh, we just uh, had another edition of the podcast uh, more recently where we brought in Insima uh, Eyang and he's been fantastic for us as well. He's got a different spin on things. He uh, does jujitsu. He's done bodybuilding and powerlifting as well. And uh, he's on a quest to be the best he can in jujitsu. He's trying to get a black belt. And so it's just, it's great to, um, you know, have all three of us on the show. We have different, uh, different perspectives, different backgrounds. And uh, I think, I think ultimately, I think a lot of people can really benefit from hearing different perspectives because maybe somebody listens to the show and you're like, oh, I really like Mark. You know, I've been a fan of his for a long time, but maybe they're tuning in because they're listening to Andrew uh, talk about how he used to be scrawny and about how he, you know, is loving the fact he's able to put on more muscle and he's like 190 pounds now and stuff like that. People are going to get super fired up to kind of hear, 
these different perspectives and they might think, oh, I'm not really like that guy, but I'm like this guy, you know, I want to hear more of what he's got to say. And so it gives us, uh, gives us some really good leverage with our, uh, our fans and our audience. And for everybody listening, it's the Power Project podcast. And that's correct. I've, yep, Mark Bell's Power Project. I've been loving it myself. I think you, I, I love the different perspectives you bring to the table. And uh, you have so many great professionals on there that, you know, it's just filled with great information about health, you know, fitness, recovery, all that stuff. Uh, Mark. Yeah, again, we end up with some really awesome. great guests on the show. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. Is there uh, any good guests you have coming up that uh, you're extra excited about? Yeah, you know, on Monday we have uh, Rich Froning, who's a four-time uh, CrossFit Games uh, champion. Um, so I'm, I'm fired up for that. We just had uh, Elliot Holes on, who Elliot, um, uh, Elliot is like the first fitness YouTuber to a million uh, subscribers and uh, kind of since he was also a professional strongman athlete and um, he tore both his biceps at one point. So much like myself, um, he had a moment where he was like, oh, shit, maybe I'm not superhuman. <laughs> maybe I'm not totally indestructible. And, uh, you know, much much like uh, Elliot, you know, I had to figure out a way to maybe use my brain a little bit more than I originally intended upon. But, you know, in both cases, you know, for Elliot and for myself, uh, it ended up paying off and ended up being uh, huge dividends and you know having the opportunity to do this podcast um with you today like even this stuff is like it's super fun for me so i think you know a lot of times uh people reach out and they're like oh man it's probably a real roll of the dice to get mark on a show um which i am you know pretty pretty busy and pretty tied up with a lot of things but i love doing this kind of stuff and um what a great podcast uh, premise um, because, you know, I, as I mentioned earlier, I had a lot of, I had a lot of struggles in school and um, the traditional education can work out great for a lot of people. Um, but I, I remember specifically my dad when I was young, he, he was helping me with my homework and my dad just, he, you know, he just got really upset. He just like broke down and he started crying because he was trying to, he's trying to teach this stuff to me. And I, he just, it was very clear to him, like for whatever reason, like Mark doesn't get this, like his brain doesn't work this way. And I don't know how to convey the message to him any differently. And so my dad was like, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> he's like, we're not, we're not going to worry about this for now. Um, and, but what he explained to me at that moment was, and I, I got upset as well, obviously, cause I'm like 12 or something like that what he explained to me at the moment was he goes, you know what, Mark? He's like, he goes, I, he goes, I did well in school, but my, my dad comes from a big family. He's got nine, there's nine siblings. And my dad said, but it didn't work for just about everybody else in the family. Um, and what my dad said is basically school works for like 20 or 30% of the kids that are in the middle. And it doesn't work for the kids that are super smart and the kids that are ahead and he goes, and it doesn't work for the kids that are behind. He goes, for now, he's like, you're behind. You know, for now, it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. He's like, so maybe, he goes, maybe you're going to have to work harder than some of the other kids. Maybe things are going to take more time. You know, he's like, but we'll figure this out. He's like, don't worry about it. We'll, you know, we'll get it. And uh, that always just gave me confidence. I was like, that makes a lot of sense because at that time, you know, I was really struggling in school and I, I 
I didn't really know why. But once my dad kind of explained it to me that way, I was like, well, it doesn't even really matter why. I just, it doesn't, it doesn't work well for me. But when I, uh, you know, when I'm on a football field or when I'm, you know, doing whatever other sports I was into, I was, I was able to pick those up quickly. I, Mark, I think you're really like the embodiment of the knowledge without college premise, you know, and, and my goal for this whole thing is really to just share information for free, uh, you know, and, and give people access to as much information as they can. That way they don't feel like if they're not getting a formal education, they can't get an, an education. And from what you've shared with me so far on this conversation, uh, you know, I love how you've been able to develop entrepreneurial skills, push through tons of setbacks and barriers in the way to your success. And I think uh, you really just you embody the whole the whole idea of just, you know, applying information without the formal education. I uh, am shocked that you didn't do your research. I actually went to college. I went to a junior college, but I wasn't smart enough to graduate. So don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but my apologies, my apologies. I missed that. <laughs> well, right, hey, me, I'm also a dropout, so you know I'm right there. With you. <laughs> there we go. It was great being on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I really appreciate having you, Mark. And is there anything else you'd like to leave with the audience? Anything before we uh, we end it off here? Uh, you know, check out uh, all related stuff to Mark Bell, and check out some of our products, MarkBellSlingshot.com. And I also uh, pumped out a new product called MindBullet. Go to MindBullet.com. Check that out. Thanks again. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. Uh, Have a fantastic day. This has been truly an honor. Thank you. Time to go eat some steak. Catch you later. Enjoy. See you. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, please hit the subscribe button and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at KWC pod on Instagram at knowledge without college podcast. You can find me Patrick Butler at Patrick Butler zero zero on Instagram and Twitter. I encourage you to send over any feedback you have. If there's any guests you'd like to hear on the show, any topics you'd want to hear discussed. I want to know about it. I want to hear your feedback and opinions. So please Help me make this a better experience for you. And I look forward to hearing from you. Have an excellent day and thanks for listening.